A gaming conference on the brink used a nice excuse to cancel their in-person event this summer. Plus, Sony has revealed some details of the PlayStation VR 2. Tonight is January 9th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say even uh, if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Riffer from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwell. That's great, right? It's one of the greatest weeks of the year. There's two of these, and this is the January one. We're gonna have some. We have some questionable RNG. Hopefully, it's gonna be good RNG. Welcome. To uh, the the, uh, the the RNG edition, I guess, of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminisce about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape this show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. And that is where I will be trying to read intelligent comments from throughout the night but we are a podcast and i understand if uh, you can't be here on sunday nights because you got other things going on uh you might or you might be watching another twitch feed that's totally fine we are a podcast and you can join us during the week vognetwork.com slash discord is the link to our discord server we have uh, it's, it's not very busy or very active so you're not going to get pings or anything uh but uh, it's where we discuss things throughout the week and you can even see some behind-the-scenes stuff about things that we are doing, uh, some of the hosts here at Vogue are doing uh, throughout the week instead of waiting until Sunday night. And also get uh, updated on when we are live on other platforms, on our own platform, or uh, anywhere else. So uh, that, that is where we are. Uh, and uh, Questbuster even says, keep fingers crossed for merciful RNG. That's what I was hoping for. I actually had in the—I've the, got a little sidebar— to be on the podcast, please, if you've never seen the Twitch, I've got a little sidebar of headlines on the side. And I, I actually had, like, the first thing on the sidebar is always, like, episode whatever has something or is something. Like, I, I put something in. And this one I actually had has good RNG. And then a thunderstorm came through, and I'm like, wait a minute. If I have that up there, that's when, like, another thunderstorm is going to happen and I'm going to lose all my power. So I put questionable RNG, which RNG is random number. Generator, by the way. That, that's what RNG stands for. If you're not into the speedrunning side of things, RNG is essentially randomness. Uh, so good RNG means that you got good random numbers. Bad RNG means you got bad random numbers. So uh, hopefully we will get merciful RNG. Everything's fine outside. The, the storms have all passed through. So I'm good. We're all good. And Awesome Games Done Quick 2022 is taking place right now. Uh, in fact, I'm going to do this real quick because uh, even though we're not supposed to, so don't, this is Secret Club. We're not supposed to do this. This is a big no-no, but we're going to check in on GDQ and see exactly what's going on right now uh, with with GDQ. And uh, what are they doing right now? They're playing Death's Door right now. Uh, so uh, Death's Door on PC. Uh, and uh, they've, already, we've, they've already raised over $100,000 in just eight hours for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. It's a very fast start for, for them. 
uh, which is really good. Uh, they'll raise uh, over $2.5 million throughout the week for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Death's Door running. Um, uh, it's got an estimate of an hour and 15 minutes. They're currently 50 minutes into it. And then up next is... Uh, is uh, Marvel Spider-Man Remastered, one of the DLCs. So that's what we are going to be uh, keeping a watch on. Now, I am going to be on Games Done Quick. I am going to be on the feed uh, three times this week. Uh, so on Tuesday, January 11th at nine, around 9.50-ish a.m. Eastern Time. It's already changed. I, I haven't looked at the schedule today. Uh, but uh, Final Fantasy Thirteen, uh, it's Kaya Rune is how you pronounce it. Kaya Rune. I'm, I'm actually working on it because I want to say like Kaya Rune or something. And no, it's not that. Uh, but uh, Kaya Rune is going to be running uh, Final Fantasy 13. It's a five-hour speed run. I'm going to be there for the first two and a half hours. So essentially at the midway point, I'm going to be passing it off to uh, Sabera Messia. Uh, so that's going to be going on then. January 13th, Thursday at about 1.30 in the afternoon Eastern time. Froob is running Lost Judgment. It's from the Yakuza series. He tells me, unfortunately, there is no rugby baby, but there is a rugby ball, so we can look forward to the rugby ball. And then Saturday on uh, January 15th at about uh, starting around noonish ET, Octopus Cal, uh, who is a Japanese runner, is going to be running Earthbound in under an hour, and then Fallout New Vegas by Banana Pegasus, all unique weapons. That's also less than an hour. Uh, I, I believe it's like 50 minutes for, for that one because it's all unique weapons. If it was any percent, it'd be like five minutes or something like that. Uh, but that's going to be going on on Saturday. So that's a total of about eight hours of me being on the air. Uh, if you donate during this time and you want me to read your donation, uh, the trick is if you use the hashtag VOG Network, I will let the donation station know that is uh, a whitelist for my donation uh, for my community. Now, my community is the lowest priority. Uh, the runners community and, and all that stuff. So it doesn't guarantee your stuff's going to get read, but uh, but it's a good you know will work. We'll see what it can happen. If it doesn't get read, at least I'll probably see it. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, it, things don't. Not everything gets read. Um, there's just not enough time to read all the great donations. So uh, I uh, uh, so you can do that. But I will tell you in your donation, it will not get read. It won't even get sent to me. If you do any kind of promotion of me or the network, I cannot self-promote. I cannot read your donation that self-promotes me. Uh, so I can't, all I can give is my name. I can't say what I do. I can't say what my socials are, even though it's pretty obvious what my socials are uh, or, or anything like that. So uh, please don't do that because I don't want to get in trouble. So, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. So are people in chat. SJ Winner Matt says the Earthbound and Fallout New Vegas ones are going to be wild. Uh, and uh, Questbuster says Bobby with his own RPG block. Now, Fallout New Vegas, that originally was Mario Kart Wii. So that that got kind of swapped out. I don't know why. Uh, and never got in touch with that runner. I did get in touch with the, uh, the runners, the other runners, and the commentator for Earthbound because there's... Uh, uh, the runner for Earthbound, Octopus Cal, uh, doesn't really speak English. So there's a commentator that's going to be commentating, who's also an Earthbound runner, uh, who's going to be commentating the game. And I've been going back and forth with the commentator uh, to, to to work out that stuff because uh, the, the the runner is actually not even going to be speaking. So um, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be interesting. But there are producers that speak Japanese, and, and uh, I even think that uh, the, the, the director of events... Uh, Sumichu, uh, who you see usually at the very end of GDQ, uh, she's also fluent in Japanese. So they, they, her and one of the producers have been doing a lot of the the translations and the the talking with Japanese runners. 
So uh, next week, I'll tell you all about uh, what happened uh, and kind of go through each shift. I've got three three shifts this time around, so uh, that's probably what we'll be talking about uh, next week. But let's talk about one of the things we brought up last week, and E3VL commented on our website on the on the last podcast about uh, games of the year, and uh, this is. Um, his personal he gave his personal games ranked 2021 best to worst based on all the games that they played and i thought it was interesting it's a, it's a very long list and it is it is ranked but it was interesting because a lot of people have been saying because of the the times that we've been in and a lot of all the delays it, they were like was this the worst year for games ever which it wasn't but uh, a lot of people felt that this year that 2021 was a terrible time for games and then i looked at this list from e3vl and i'm like wow all this stuff came out this year because uh, always at the end of the year you forget the games that came out in the beginning of the year so uh, this was e3vl's list and he even lists some games that i played that i was like you know what that really was a good game so these are some pretty good games his top game was uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which I I bought day one. I played. I I played through it. I beat it. I rolled credits on it. Uh, it was it was fantastic. It looks amazing, and uh, I I enjoyed my time a lot with it. Uh, so that that one for I guess because of the Forza Horizon Five and the Persona Five Strikers, which were kind of my two favorite games of the year. Uh, it kind of slipped my mind, but I really did enjoy Ratchet and Clank. It was really worth my time. Uh, Ghost of Shishima Director's Cut. So this is a new release of a previous title, uh, which is acceptable in the times that we are living in. It is a lot easier uh, to work on a remaster or a director's cut remotely in terms of software development than it is to build something new from the ground up. So I completely understand that. Metroid Dread was next on the list. Uh, Halo Infinite, the campaign, uh, I actually did go through the first, I've, I've gone through the first mission of that, of, of the campaign. So uh, I'm, I'm, and at some point I'll go back into it because I got it set on easy mode. So um, I'm able to, it, it's in Bobby Blackwolf mode and so I'm excited, uh, but I just haven't had time to get back into it, but I did go through that a little bit. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which uh, is once I heard about it winning like best storytelling, at the game awards and I saw some people talking about like look this is this is some of the stuff that happens in this narrative heavy game and I was like okay I can see why uh people think this has a you know this has great storytelling because some of those cutscenes uh especially the late game one that I was shown that spoiled a little bit for me but it was fine uh I'm not going to repeat anything about it here, but just the way that the characters emoted both in the voice with the voice actors, but also with the animations, with the camera cuts, uh, everything that they did in the scene just worked so well. Uh, then uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, uh, Far Cry 6, even though, you know, I, I don't know if uh, El Presidente approved of his playing or not. Uh, maybe maybe we'll have to check an email on that. Lost Judgment, the Yakuza game. We're going to be running it at uh, GDQ. I'm going to be hosting it for Froob on Thursday. No More Heroes 3. That came out, remember? And uh, Disgaea 6. And then he's got a whole like uh, another whole list. So th- those were his top 10. I'm not going to go through all these. But it is kind of interesting, all the stuff that did come out this year, that maybe because it was the end of the—they came out earlier in the year, we forgot about it. Like Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury uh, was on here. Uh, I've heard a lot about Kina Bridge of Spirits. There's, I believe, a run coming up on GDQ of that as well. Uh, WarioWare Get It Together came out. Uh, Returnal was a big one uh, this year. 
And then uh, the Miitopia Switch version came out. Uh, I played the demo of that. I'm like, I already played all this on my 3DS. I didn't get it again. Uh, there's the Life and Strange 2 True Colors was on here. Mario Party Superstars, I do have that. And uh, am totally willing to do some online multiplayer with people at some point. Not this week, obviously. Um, the Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Uh, we, we were very hyped about that because of its rollback netcode. And then it came out, and then it's like really only the hardcore fighting fans are playing it. Uh, there was the Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. That came out. Deathloop was this year. Uh, and uh, that, that's is, even though it's a Bethesda Microsoft game, it's PlayStation exclusive, uh, but it's on PC as well. Uh, so Deathloop it, came out this year, and that was a big deal for a bit. Uh, and then, uh, like, Neo World Ends With You. Uh, there was... Uh, uh, and then Chris Tales I played a little bit of, but it had some... Uh, issues on the Xbox Series X, some optimization issues. So, uh, And then last on the list down here, last on E3VL's list, it actually made E3VL's list. I'm just going to say that. Uh, but I think this might just be every game that, that that he played. And so this is the last one on the list because, yes, it came out this year. Balan Wonderworld. It's the last one on the list. So thank you for sharing that list. Uh, and uh, g- giving me kind of a, a, a jolt of the games that actually did get come out this year, because uh, even though it seems like the year went by so quick, it was still 12 months, just like everything else. So my uh, games of the year, I, I kind of like uh, the, the my favorite, because my games of the year are basically my favorite games that I played. That's how I do it. The game that I enjoyed the most didn't come out this year, which was Yakuza Like a Dragon, uh, because I started it when I got my Xbox Series X, so it was November of 2020, but I didn't really like get into it and play it a lot until January or February of this year. Uh, but for Forza Horizon 5 is really up there, uh, along with Persona 5 Strikers. Those were kind of my two. And then, uh, you know, Ratchet and Clank Rifts Apart is probably another one that was up on that list for me, as well out of the ones that I played. So that's uh, that's that uh, game of the year stuff. Uh, if you're wondering what I'm looking forward to most in 2022, uh, well, one of the ones we're going to be talking about in the second in a second here. But the video game I'm looking forward to most is the one I don't know about yet, and I say that every year uh, because most of the time I don't know about what my favorite game is going to be of the year. I uh, th- I can't tell you what my most anticipated game is, other than the one I'm about to talk about, which is not a video game, and it's really super expensive, and it doesn't really count. But uh, I- I'm looking forward to what I don't know, and uh, we're going to-, to see a lot of that as projects that maybe were uh, set to be announced last year and got delayed because it's a little bit harder to work remotely. Uh, we're going to start seeing those this year, and then I'm going to have a game I'm going to mention in December that I would have never even thought of. Uh, S. Matt says, the game I'm looking forward to the most is a game I don't know is awesome yet. So you may know about it, but you don't know it's awesome. Uh, Paleonimea says, the Tiny Tina game. So that's the the Borderlands. Uh, I, I believe, is it DLC for Borderlands, or is it a standalone? I can't remember, but it's essentially Tiny Tina from Borderlands is a GM in a D&D game. And so it's Borderlands Hexen, uh, so Borderlands with swords and shields and bows and arrows and things like that. Uh, that one looks interesting. Uh, and then uh, Questbuster says Elden Ring. I'm not looking forward to that at all, but I understand that y'all are. It's a whole whole souls thing. Esther uh, Matt says Standalone is uh, is is the game uh, is, is the Borderlands game. So it is a standalone. It's not a DLC. 
So uh, the game I am actually most looking forward to right now is not a video game. And so you get to hear me uh, sit here and, and talk about this uh, because uh, it's my favorite band in the world. And uh, I, I, I was uh, very excited to finally get, get to see video of a new pinball table from Stern Pinball. And I, this is not going to become a pinball podcast. I don't have the money or the room. Uh, but when a theme comes up, that is uh, basically is, is in the pinball community. It's called your Holy Grail theme or your Grail theme or your Grail pin. Uh, it was always uh, my favorite band, which is Rush. Uh, best export out of Canada um, ever. And uh, you can argue with me on it and uh, you'd be wrong. Uh, but I always said, you know, if they ever made a Rush pinball, I was going to get it. And uh, so they've now made a Rush pinball. Uh, and it, uh, it, it's really interesting being watching like the pinball community react to it because I will admit, uh, even though I say I'm 29, I'm not, I'm a little bit older. Uh, I'm, I'm in my forties. I think that's the first time I've ever actually said that on this podcast, but yeah, I'm in my forties. So I'm a little bit, I'm, rush, rush in their heyday was a little bit before my time, uh, because everybody considers, you know, the late seventies, early eighties to be the best time that rush uh, has has ever been, uh, but I got into them in the '90s and in the 2000s, and um, uh, it's interesting because a lot of pinball owners are around my age or a little bit older. Uh, there aren't because it is a very expensive hobby to get into, especially right now, and um, it's interesting to see the people that didn't care for Rush because. To be fair, Rush as as a band, it's only it's usually it's it's your your favorite musician's favorite band is Rush. They're very much a a group that appeals to people who are already musicians or musically inclined because it's not accessible. A lot of the stuff that they do, they de- never really had a top charting hit here. Uh, I think their top charted song hit like number 60 on the top 100 billboard top 100. Uh, they're virtually unknown in some other places in the, in the world like Australia. And in fact, all the Australian pinball fans are going, we have no clue who these people are. Why are they getting a pinball machine? Uh, and then uh, it's, uh, and then they were also, so you've got those people that were like, are too young to appreciate it. And some people who just, didn't really get them and then you've got the hardcore people who were like this is it this is my grail pin and then you get the people who are uh into um that really know pinball and know the designers and follow the designers so when you say oh john borg designed this game that's actually his name john borg uh resistance is totally futile and he's never heard that joke before in his life i promise you he actually has but uh, they look at this and they're like, well, this is just a rehash of his other things. And, and in the middle of the table, there is a time machine and it's got a little magnetized ball lock in the center. Uh, and everybody's like, well, that's just like Lord of the Rings. And then other people are like, well, you know, they're, 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 if you take the play field and you turn it on, on the other side, you, you mirror it is just like X-Men. And so they're all upset that it's a rehash. And I'm sitting here going, I've never played the Lord of the Rings pinball machine. I've never played the X-Men pinball machine. So this is all new to me. I'm excited for it because it looks like it plays really, really, really well. Uh, it, it flows really well. Uh, and uh, I, I will also say that uh, I've, I've already paid for it. 
I was able to get one of the limited editions. They only make a thousand of those, and uh, they are quite expensive. Um, the I, I was uh, luckily uh, the distributor that I was on the list with uh, only charged me MSRP, uh, and uh, which is eleven thousand dollars and ninety nine cents. And I have to pay about one hundred and fifty bucks for shipping because I don't have a truck or car big enough. Um, so. I'm all set for this because this is my favorite band. This is my grail pin. Had I known this was coming, I probably would not have gotten Mandalorian. Uh, I would have made this my pin. Uh, In fact, who knows? You know, Mandalorian may not last long in my collection because there are people that want Mandalorian. Uh, So I, uh, I'm all, I'm all in on this. Now, one of the questions that was asked uh, in chat because I was running the uh, the Stern video for this. And uh, there was a question, uh, I think it was Podculture, said, wait, it has NFC, f- saw the phone bit. So new Stern pinball tables. And this is something you don't have to own pinball to know this because if you play pinball in a bar or on location, you can actually do this as well. So Stern pinball has this uh, thing called uh, a Stern Insider Connected, and it's new. They uh, debuted it about four or five months ago. Um, and uh, it, it, what it does, it is essentially a uh, achievement and, and score tracking system. If you have uh, an external insider account, which is free, you can get a QR code. You scan it on the machine. It automatically puts your initials in to the machine. Uh, and it tracks your scores and it tracks achievements. And you can track this across all locations because essentially um, the machine is connected to Wi-Fi at that point. So as you play on other, uh, you know, anywhere. So like if you go to a bar that has a machine that has that QR code, you can log your you can actually keep track of your score. And then if you go to another place if you are fortunate enough to have multiple places that have pinball and maybe have the same machine, it tracks your progress to that machine as well. So uh, that's what Stern Insider Connected is. Uh, And uh, they've got retrofit kits for a lot of the machines. Um, They don't have one for Mandalorian yet because I think Disney has to approve any online connectivity. Uh, So that's why it's not uh, on that yet. But uh, like the Godzilla machine that was uh, released just a couple months ago, uh, which was the game they released after Mando and before Rush. Uh, it has it on there, and they've already retrofitted it back to a bunch of machines, but you have to buy a kit and a, buy a Wi-Fi kit and make some modifications in your pinball cabinet for it. So that's what that is. It is a, a tracking a high score a tracking. It automatically puts your initials in for you, so if you get a high score on the machine, it already knows who you are, uh, and achievement tracking system and stuff like that. And uh, SJRMAT says they uh, they will also put a QR code at the end of your game, which lets you post your high score on Twitter. I did that for the Hobbit table when I played it. Now, the Hobbit is not Stern. So all of these, uh, all the pinball machines are not all made by the same company. And so they all have different things uh, that they're doing with it. Stern has Stern Insider connected. But I know like Jersey Jack Pinball has a different uh, way of doing things. And I know it's like I think they've and I think American Amusements is one of the other ones. Uh, that did like Hot Wheels, and they've even got like a game called Dialed Up that it's actually Bluetooth, so you use your phone to to control things on it. Uh, so they all kind of have different things uh, about it. But uh, 
I am all in on the rush. Uh, it should get here at some point uh, early March, and um, I'm, uh, I'm I can't wait to 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 play it. Mike Def says 150 is quite, uh, for shipping is quite cheap for what it is. Luckily, the shipping uh, it is only coming from my distributor to me. So even though uh, it is, it's very heavy. It's like two hundred something pounds. It's only coming about forty miles away, forty five miles away, or something. Because uh, I'm in, I'm north of Atlanta, and my distributor, which is Classic Game Rooms out of Covington, Georgia, uh, very good. I work with them for Mandalorian. It was very, very good. I'm just having it shipped from there to me. So that's why it's only 150 bucks. It would have been a lot more if I wanted white glove delivery, which meant they came in and installed it and set it up for me. And what's the fun in that? So it's curbside. They drop the machine off at my curb. Actually, they will bring it down to my garage. Like they won't like just lay it on the side of the curb. Uh, they'll bring it down to my garage on their forklift type thing. And D5T says, this is a full size machine, right? Not like the one on parquets. This is the same machine you would find in a bar or, uh, or or, or uh, an arcade or anything like that. Uh, in fact, I'm getting a machine that's better than the one you would find in the bar. So Stern machines uh, have three models. You've got a pro model, you've got a premium model, and you've got a limited edition. Um, the pro model is the cheapest for a whopping $6,800. And it is the one that has kind of the least amount of parts, uh, even though it does have a lot of bells and whistles. It has the least amount. They, they take away certain things. And that is what you find in bars and arcades because they are the easiest to maintain. They don't have as many points of failure. They have many points of failures, but not many, many points of failures. Then you get a premium, and that has more of the bells and whistles. So like on The Mandalorian, that's the play field that goes back and forth in the back. Uh, you'll have the premium, and what's showing on the screen here is the premium of, of the Rush cabinet with one of the added one of the add-ons you can put on. And then the limited edition is the same as the premium, except with different art, and it's got, like, maybe a signature from the designer on the board, on, on the play field underneath. Uh, and, and it's essentially it's a limited edition with, with some different art. Uh, the thing that they have on uh, the limited editions that is optional for a premium and a pro is called the Expression Light System, which is on the sides of the cabinet. And what they do is um, they uh, light up to the music. So there are a bunch of lights. They're kind of holes, like right up the side of the cabinet, right by the glass. And they are actually pulsating, and they are programmed to go with the music. So it's actually a kind of like, you know, those people with the Christmas lights show now that um, that 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 time their house to these so songs. And, you know, so you're watching a whole you know, 10-minute show of, of lights. It's the same thing here. It comes on the limited edition, so I'll have it, but it's a $500 upgrade for premium or pro, and you buy them, and then you install them yourself and stuff like that. So, uh, yes, it's a full-size machine. The premiums run about eight grand, and then the limited edition, one, one of the 1000 that I got uh, at MSRP is $11,000. So, yes, I'm hoping it's a full-size machine. I'm hoping it's heavy and hefty uh, because... I wouldn't pay $11,000 for something that was an arcade one-up size. But let's talk uh, now about uh, things that you might actually be able to get. Because I'm, you know, not everybody can afford pinball. Not everybody has the space 
for a full-size pinball machine. I am very fortunate that I have been able to work up to this part. But maybe if you can get a PS5, you'll be able to go into uh, into VR of the next generation. So uh, this week was a Consumer Electronics Show, CES. Uh, it did have an in-person component in Las Vegas, uh, but a lot of companies went online to give their stuff. Sony was actually there. And Kotaku reports that Sony's next virtual reality headset is about to exist in non-virtual reality. So uh, Sony formally announced the PlayStation VR 2 in a brief segment that offered no info about pricing, availability, or release date. Uh, so Sony says PSVR 2 is a true next-gen headset only functional with the PlayStation 5. Uh, key here is a panel refresh rate and a frame rate of up to 120 hertz. That's how you don't get sick. Higher, higher frame rates, higher refresh rate helps your brain not think you're poisoned when you're in VR. An OLED screen displays games in 4K resolution, specifically 2000 by 2040 per eye, and it'll feature a field of view of approximately 110 degrees. Uh, the PSVR 2 controller, which is bisected into two units, one for each hand, is called the Sense. Of course, the standard issue PS5 controller is a single unit called the Dual Sense. Get it? Get what they're doing there? Sony says it'll support the uh, sport the same haptic feedback showcased in games like Returnal and Astro's Playroom, and make the PS5's Dual Sense controller such a revelation. And yes, that means adaptive triggers, which add tension to the uh, to the current in-game actions. In promotional text, Sony cited the example of drawing your bow to fire an arrow. Besides its advanced haptics, the Sense controller is a feature called finger touch detection, which means the controller can sense your inputs without you actually pushing any buttons. Uh, that is something that both uh, the Oculus Rift, the Oculus Quest, and the, the Valve Index have been able to do is the little touch detection. So if you're, rate of, if you're resting your thumb on the buttons but not actually pushing it in, it knows that. It's, it's neat. It, it's neat when they can do that. Uh, a single cord setup will help mitigate cable clutter. So it's not wireless. It is a single cord. The 3D audio that enriches certain PS5 games, Returnal again being a prime example here, is built right into PSVR 2. Tracking enhancements, both motion tracking in relation to the controllers and your headset, and eyeball tracking in relation to your eyeballs sure sound like they will bring the uh, 2013 dream of movement-based gaming to life. Also is the headset feedback, which utilizes an intelligent tactile element to amplify the sensations, creating an incredibly deep feeling of immersion. PSVR 2 is going to vibrate on your head. So they're actually putting like some force feedback on your head. On your head, you're going to get some force feedback. I don't know what that's going to mean. Uh, that is one of those things that is going to, even somebody who has experienced it, it's going to be hard to describe it. It's going to be one of those you're going to have to try it your, to, to understand. You just need to put it on. You need to put the headset on. Sony paired its announcement of PSVR 2 with the reveal of a virtual reality spinoff for Guerrilla Games' Horizon series. Horizon Call of the Wild isn't a VR port of Horizon Zero Dawn, but rather its own game. Aloy, who's set to star in next month's Horizon Forbidden West, isn't the protagonist, but will make an appearance, according to Guerrilla. It's unclear at this juncture what you'll do in Call of the Wild, whether it's an on-rails experience, Guerrilla's word, or something more expansive like Half-Life Alex. It's going to be an experience. It's not going to be Half-Life Alex, I promise you. Uh, since Sony specifically cited bow and arrow feedback in discussing the Sense Controller, it's a safe bet you'll shoot robot dinosaurs with a bow. 
you know, it's going to be more like the Matrix experience, I'm going to guess. I'm going to assume. I don't actually know. Uh, because the Matrix experience, if you've played the Unreal 5, uh, Engine 5 experience, Matrix Awakens, uh, it is basically an on-rails demo where you use right trigger and uh, and like you you want at one, a couple points you use one of the thumbsticks, but you're really holding down right trigger. That's what it is. Uh, that's what the Matrix is, and I'm going to guess that is going to be what this Horizon uh, Call of the Wild is going to be. Is going to be an experience where you are on rails, and in fact, they show like a 10 second clip of it, and uh, you're sitting in a boat going down the river, and a robot steps over you. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't be doing things while you're on those rails, uh, just like at, Dis- at Disneyland when you're on, uh, the, you know, uh, the, the Toy Story ride. You're on rails, but you're also shooting things. So you can absolutely still have some uh, experiences, but it's not going to be Half-Life Alex, which was a fully fleshed out first person shooter in VR uh, that was not on, on rails at all. Uh, it's, 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 it's going to be just an experience. They're, they're not yet at the point where they are comfortable and I'm being Sony and maybe Gorilla Games. They're not comfortable spending that kind of money to do a full on VR, uh, game. They're really interested in the VR experience. Uh, Final Fantasy 15 kind of had the same type of thing. And, uh, that's really what they're uh, going to be going for is just an experience to get you thinking and get you hoping what VR is going to be like. And uh, yeah, so the video was the, 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 the trailer was literally about five seconds long. Fifth Dream says Horizon, the first part of Skyrim. Now, just just because anyway. So uh, I am excited for this. Uh, it is uh, going to be g- going to be interesting to see how it sh- uh, shapes out. They haven't really shown anything of it. I think they did show there's a concept art of the controllers, but you don't see the headset. Um, there are it does not need a camera. It's got inside out tracking, so you're not going to need a camera uh, to see anything, uh, and uh, for for it to actually have anything uh, to to track. So you're gonna not going to have the drifting issues that the PlayStation VR has. Uh, and my thing is I'm going to have to figure out where I'm going to play it because my PlayStation 5 is in a room that's kind of set up like a home theater. Uh, so it's not really conducive to VR playing. Claw says you can expect games that will have some sort of VR mode, especially if it's type of game where you're flying planes, driving cars, just like PlayStation VR. I mean, PSVR 1... Uh, had kind of the same thing. Games just had a VR mode. Uh, VR will not really take off as anything super serious in the minds of casual players until there are actual VR games that can only be played in VR that are worth it. Uh, more stuff like Beat Saber, games that you can't play on a monitor. That's when it, more games like Half Life Alex, uh, more games like that, but. Having saying, oh, you know, Gran Turismo 7, you can play it also in VR, which you can. Uh, not not all the modes, but you can play a bunch bunch of it in VR. Uh, you're, you know, just that being an extra mode, they're going to be like, well, why should I put on a headset when I can just play it on my TV? No Man's Sky, you can actually play the whole game in a VR headset. Uh, but it's not a VR game. ZenMonkey11 says, you can still drift with inside-out tracking. My Quest 2 sometimes has to be recentered. It's easier to compensate, I think, in software for the drift 
than it is with a, a visual camera, which is what the PlayStation VR and what the original Oculus Rift DK1 had. E3VL says, I still need a demo before I buy. I have most motion sickness when reading or viewing videos in the car. Uh, yeah, you, you, you would need to try it. The higher refresh rate's going to help. But the reason, and this is kind of going into medical mumbo-jumbo and stuff, the reason you get motion sickness when you're reading or viewing videos in a car is because your eyes are telling your brain something about your orientation with the world. Whereas your ears, the fluid in your ears that governs your balance is telling your brain something different. Your ears are telling your brain, hey, we're in motion. We're turning. We're, we're you know, if you're on a plane, we're banking and stuff like that. But your eyes don't see any of that. So your eyes just see your book or, you know, it's centering on the, the what's around the video that you're watching, the seat or whatever, your legs or whatever. And so your brain says, well... My eyes are telling me one thing and my ears are telling me something else. Obviously, I'm poisoned. And so what I need to do is I need to purge the poison out of my body. That is literally what is happening when you get motion sickness in a car. It's because uh, or on a boat or anything like that. It's because your eyes are telling your brain something different than what your ears, the fluid in your ears is telling them. And your your brain thinks that you are being poisoned. So... For VR, the two things that can help that mitigate that is, A, um, having the higher refresh rate so there's no lag between when you turn your head and when your eyes see you turn your head. Because that's that's where the big problem is with that is when you turn your head and it's a, you know if it's too many milliseconds after you turn your head that you turn your head in VR, your brain's going to think you're poisoned and it's going to make you want to throw it up. Uh, but the other thing is designing VR games smartly to where you are in control of your movement, which is where you get uh, the games that have the teleportation system where everything goes black and then everything comes back up because that now your eyes and your ears are not disagreeing with each other. Um, some people who do not get motion sickness can have the smooth motion where the, you can actually play it like a first-person shooter and you're totally fine. Uh, but not everybody is like that. In fact, most people are not like that. So... Uh, that's, it's, it's a part game design, but it's also part hardware. And I think having the 120 Hertz refresh rate with the power of the PS5, that's going to handle the hardware side. And then it's just hoping that the game designers smartly create their game to give different tolerances. So some people who can handle the run and gun smoothness and not get sick can have that, but also have other movement options for other people where their sight is not disagreeing with their ears, which means all movement that happens happens with because of your head movements. ZenMonkey11 says, Gamers are being left in the past. So many people that don't play video games are in VR now. It's becoming a social experience in the metaverse. So maybe at E3, uh, we will get to see some more of these things. Oh, oh. maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, VentureBeat reports that the Entertainment Software Association is shifting the Electronic Entertainment Expo to an online-only event out of concerns around the pandemic. And I'm just going to go this right now because that sentence is most like could be most likely wrong because uh, that's not actually what the announcement said. But the rest of this article is pretty good, so I wanted to put it in here. But that first sentence is actually kind of 
Incorrect. Uh, E3, uh, the ESA said in a statement to GameSpeak, quote, due to the ongoing health risks surrounding COVID-19 and the potential impact on the safety of exhibitors and attendees, E3 will not be held in person in 2022. We remain incredibly excited about the future of E3 and look forward to announcing more details soon, unquote. That did not say that there was going to be an online E3. The ESA has not said that they're doing a virtual E3. They just said it's not going to be in person. So everybody's saying, oh, it's going to be online only. They didn't say that yet. They didn't say E3 was happening at all yet. They just said it's not happening in person. Uh, VentureBeat does say the show, this means that the show will likely take place online this summer, if it happens at all. Um, And uh, COVID-19 concerns pushed the June 2021 show into an online-only event that scuttled the 2020 event entirely. Asked to clarify if there will be an online event, the ESA said it is, quote, excited about the possibilities of an online event, unquote. So they did not say, they did not say that it's actually happening. It's possible. Um, The ESA, a trade group led by the game industry's publishers, is evidently being cautious because of the huge bursts in coronavirus infections prompted by the Omicron variant. The CES 2022 tech trade show, which is taking place in Las Vegas this week, has caught a lot of criticism for going forward with its in-person event despite the risk of being a super spreader event. Look, and MAGFest was this weekend, uh, I know, but as someone who attended... Two huge conventions at the height of the Delta variant. If common sense measures are taken, common sense health and safety measures are taken, especially if uh, vaccination or proof of negative test is done, especially if the vast majority of people keep their masks on, uh, which is what happened at the two places I went. uh, At the height of the Delta variant, I went to two conventions did not catch anything. So uh, I know that there's criticisms of it, but there is a way to do this safely. You may not be able to do it in every state. You know, you may not be able to do a convention safely in Florida or Texas because of the laws on the books there. But California? Yeah. While E3 is still months away and the current spike could be over by that time, it will be. The spikes only last a month or two. It'll be th- This variant will be done uh, hopefully not too tragically, but it will be done in February at the very latest March. And we might have a new variant by, by June. Who knows? Uh, I can't predict what society is going to do. Uh, we're all in this together and we're all on different boats apparently, but the organization is in the midst of signing up companies to take exhibition space, uh, as it often takes months for companies to pull their booths together for the big show, which is normal times draws more than 50,000 industry people and 15,000 fans in person to the Los Angeles Convention Center every June. It used to be 80,000 people in the industry. Meanwhile, the Game Developer Conference is scheduled for in-person on March 21st to 25th. In an email, the GDC says it plans to move forward at this time. So my take on this is it's very convenient to blame Omicron for this uh, because... Um, Omicron's not going to affect June. It, it's, it, something else might. The new Deltacron, whatever's going on now. I, 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 I'm not an uh, infectious disease expert, so I'm not going to speculate on any of this. But uh, the history shows, the recent history shows, that, yeah, Omicron's not going to be an issue in June anymore. But I think this is more... E3 didn't become isn't relevant anymore. I think E3's kind of done 
And this is a nice excuse. Hey, yeah, it was Omicron. It's Omicron's fault. Fifth Dream says that's where the government media fails us because he's talking about me as media as well. Delta is not gone. It's not just because Omicron took over does not mean Delta is gone. Omicron will be here for years. But I think that uh, this is more of kind of an excuse. Uh, it's a convenient excuse for E3 to, to be like, you know what? We, we can't we can't do this this year. They almost canceled last year before or they almost canceled 2020 before the world went crazy. So uh, they, the E3 was in trouble before 2020. And then the, the gut punch that was 2020 really did a number on 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 E3 as a business. And uh, Fifth Dream says it's not just me. Uh, media likes to move on when the new things happens, which, which is which is absolutely true. And they report the new thing and forget the old thing. We actually we don't really know like the percentage of what is what variant because we don't do that type of testing regularly in America. So we're just we're we're even the scientists are assuming because we don't have the infrastructure to do those type of tests on a large scale that we need to. And then um, the other thing to know, just real quick about like the te- the, the 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 spikes and everything. One thing that's really interesting is that uh, those numbers are going to be lower than reality because now that there are at-home tests, uh, we have a couple of them. Now that there are at-home tests, there's a lot of people that where they test and they test positive at home and they just go ahead and immediately isolate. That never gets reported. None of those people that did the at-home test and tested positive None of those people are on any of the charts that you see anywhere because they're never reported. So just think about that, that the chart, the chart that shows the spike that we're in right now, those are just the ones that were reported. As Sheridan Matt says, I'll go into my MAGFest experience next week, but everything was well handled and everyone was great about following the rules. That's, that's amazing to hear. That is awesome to hear. I am super happy for MAGFest. I am super happy for the attendees that went uh, I, I am super happy for everyone involved. Uh, that that is fantastic, and I, I hope that everybody had a, a great time. It was probably weird. Uh, Dragon Con was weird for me, but it was a great time, and we all came out healthy, uh, it, except for like one guy, and he recovered. Um, and he, we we don't even think he got it at Dragon Con. We we thought he got it before Dragon Con and showed up with it, but none of us picked it up from him. And uh, so I, I, I hope that uh, everybody had a fulfilling and easy time. So normally we would take a quick music break, but uh, I talked about the Rush pinball machine too much, which is going to happen again, but hopefully not for another like month and a half uh, until I get it. Uh, I think somebody, uh, Tiger Claw said, hopefully there will be an assembly video and all that stuff. I'm probably not going to... I still need to put up on YouTube the Mandalorian assembly video because I held back on it for other reasons, uh, but I can put it up now. Uh, they're the same. The assembly video for pinball, uh, they're not different like the arcade one-ups, so I've already done it. Uh, I'll shoot video once it's set up, but I'm not going to show the unboxing because it's literally the same thing that I've already done, and I may actually have some help with me that don't want to be on camera, and when I do these assembly videos like the arcade one-ups or the pinball machine, uh, I kind of have to do them alone uh, so I'm the only one on camera. 
and that makes it a little bit difficult. It takes me a little bit longer to do things because a lot of these things are made for two people. So uh, I'm not gonna probably I'm not gonna film the assembly, but I'll film playing it and stuff like that. But normally I would do a quick music break, but I'm not going to. We'll we'll, we'll get back to it soon. And uh, also, usually this is the time that I would take calls uh, over at vognumber.com slash Discord. We don't have anybody in the green room. We have a green room voice chat channel. If you go in there, I can see you and then possibly work you in. And and, then we we can talk about things there, uh, anything in the gaming industry. Fifth Remass is a pinball table big enough for a sleeping bag. I can fit the whole bedroom with, uh, with them and just sleep there. Uh, fill the whole bedroom with them and just sleep there. Uh, Jamie from o- OLR, Dark Soccer from OLR, apparently does some really great Tetris with their pinball machines because they've got them in like their dining room and, and stuff like that. Uh, I don't know exactly what the dimensions are of a pinball machine, but it's easily Googleable. Uh, and like, yes, like I could actually have a pinball, this room that I'm in right now, which is probably like eight feet by eight feet or something like that. Uh, yes, I could fit a pinball machine in here. I could have it against the wall over there. Uh, it would be fine. So, uh, it's, if you go to a bar or an arcade, like, or an arcade or something, uh, if you go out, a lot of people aren't still going out. Uh, but you can see a pinball machine and kind of determine it's you. I could probably fit one in this room. D5T says game room tour after the new machine is up. Yeah, I've, I've still got to put up like some. We got to still do some of the black lights and stuff in there. But I've shown the game room a little bit in the previous videos. But coming up next, you're on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vlog network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's uh, three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. Uh, and we like to see what they're uh, doing. They haven't had a show yet this year, uh, but we like to check in with them and see what's uh, what's up on their end and what they've been doing. So, Sacramento, are you there? Hi, Bobby. I'm here. How are you? Uh, I am doing well. So it looks like you are back in uh, in the studio. You're out of the arcade that you had yes. in the bowling alley that you were in yes. last week. So OLR is returning tonight? Yes, the arcade was torn down, unfortunately. It, uh, earthquake took it all out, so I'm mm-hmm. uh, sorry to say. Which is also why you would not want to share a pinball table with your bedroom, at least uh, in California. Yeah. Just for the record. Yeah. Because yeah. they're sturdily built, but an earthquake is an earthquake. An earthquake is an earthquake, yes. yes. Um, so uh, I've got to ask you this. Now, I spoiler alert, I've already asked him this and gotten the answer, but this is a podcast. So I'm going to ask this question again, and we're going to have this conversation again, because this week, Game Pass, or really EA Play, added Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Now, I, I'm not going to say I've never played Mass Effect, because I totally bought the first Mass Effect when it came out, got a couple hours in, got annoyed at going to a... I went to the wrong planet and got destroyed by this huge, like, worm-type thing, and I was like, okay, this game's not for me, and sold it with my first Xbox 360 to a friend of mine. So I played maybe four hours of Mass Effect, and it was right when it came out. And I was like, well, maybe is this the time that I can, like, finally learn what you and Jamie have been going on about for years and and when the Legendary Edition came out? And you said, no, do not buy it. Now is not the time to buy it. But now it's on Game Pass. Is your advice still the same six months later, seven months later, whatever? 
no, my advice is not the same six months later. Um, a lot of my issue with the, you know, and I was kind of thinking that you have a lot of, um, you know, bandwidth um, concerns that I mm-hmm. do, um, which is why you kind of like to buy things on disc, which is, you know, exactly what I did. Um, and I, I don't know, and I still to this day have no explanation from BioWare or EA why they did this, where if you install even one patch to your disc version of the game, you no longer get to use the discs and you have to download everything. And that was a lot of the frustration. Um, and so, you know, I, I was kind of a- advising you, you know, careful if you buy this game on disc, it's not, you know, you're just going to get frustrated like I am. And that's going to be a poor start out the gate. Um, also, I was a little irritated that they were still patching it and making changes to it. So it was like, this isn't really the the end all be all edition now, is it? Now, here we are six months later, and I think the addition of the game to Game Pass and, you know, EA Play and all that sort of tells me we're done. They're not they're not going to be releasing any more up- updates or upgrades or anything to it. Um, I highly doubt the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer getting added back in or whatever. Uh, I think that was only a fever dream, um, and either that will be a separate thing or at this point, honestly, the resources are just on the fifth Mass Effect game. Um, so yes, my opinions changed and I think you already sized up the bandwidth as what, like 83 gigs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, like most big titles, like say when I took on flight simulator, um, uh, just, you know, be mindful of that. But mm-hmm. I do think it is worth your time and effort. Um, especially if it's something you've never played before. And I will give a cheap plug for my husband, Alan Alchemy, uh, here on Twitch because he's been playing, uh, the trilogy on his stream. So if you kind of just want to see what it looks like, you know, and all that stuff. Now, granted, he uses mods, but a very specific type of mod to open up a romance option that is otherwise unavailable in the first game and probably not, I, I would imagine, not something you would be exploring anyway. Um, so, um, yeah, just a, a cheap plug if you want to kind of see the Legendary Edition in action yeah. there. And I'm, I'm trying to also think if I'm going to get it on the Xbox or get it because it is on Game Pass for PC as well. Yeah. And getting it on there. But I believe you still have to log into Origin even if you get the Game Pass version. I think probably because I think that's true about like Ubisoft and Uplay type of stuff too. So um, something to consider for sure. I, I I think origins in a better place now, at least at the time of Mm -hmm. like mass effect Andromeda for sure. Uh, I think it's in a better place now than it was when it first came out, but I completely understand people has hesitations to putting yet another launcher on the computer. I get it. I mean, I have an origin account, so it's, it's not that like, cause I bought SimCity. You know, mm. the 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 SimCity oh. that required. Oh, even I didn't do that, Bobby. Oh no, I I I I did that. Oh, oof oof. So so I have had an Origin account. It's like I think I even have Origin on this computer. I just haven't moved it to my gaming PC. So that's not really the issue. It's just that that was kind of the. I, I read things about that because it's like, well, I'm using Windows. I'm using Xbox. I'm going through the Xbox Live. Well, they don't call it Xbox Live anymore, but the Xbox service. And but you still also have to go through through Origin. Um, so that may be a turnoff for, for some people. It's not for me. I, I'm not really. The, the selfish part of me knowing your setup says get it on Xbox so you can play in the theater. That's true. But that's, that's, that's just me and what yeah. I know about you. Uh, also this week, you, you picked up Final Fantasy IV Remaster or you, start, you mm-hmm. started playing it. So to, uh, what do mm-hmm. you think of that? That one's been out for like a couple months now, right? 
Yeah, because they just released five and they yeah. delayed six was one yeah. of the few headlines from the holiday weeks. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I did pick up the four remaster um, and I'll, I'll go into detail a little bit on mm-hmm. OLR, of course. But um, I will say this. It's not as bad as I thought it would be because that font really put me off so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really sitting down thinking about, like, why would they choose such a terrible font? Well, the font looks a lot better when it's right in front of your face as it would be on a PC or on a tablet or phone when you're playing the game. Um, Where that font is not going to look good is on a television uh, when you're sitting far away. So I do hope if they do release it for consoles, and I I really don't understand why they wouldn't. That just really seems like lot, unless... But I don't even again, it's not even exclusive. Like it's it's not like an Apple thing because it's iOS and Android. So there's no exclusive, you know, and Steam is not exactly an exclusive thing. So there's no agreements there. So it's I the literally the only thing holding them back is themselves. Um, so I'm not sure. But I, I would think by the time it comes out on consoles, they're going to need to allow you to change the fonts or things like that. But that that's exactly how they could rebrand it as deluxe edition, mm-hmm. because here's my hot take. Everybody's talking about, oh, they'll put out the pixel remasters one through six in one giant collection. Uh uh-uh. uh, uh, uh. Enjoy the one through three NES collection and the four through six SNES collection. Guarantee it. I'd still get those for the Switch, though. I I would too. That's that's the other <laughs> thing I'm hanging on to. They'll try to sweeten the pot with extra stuff that yeah. isn't in the current Pixel remasters. Yeah. Yeah, but like if they put those out for Switch, uh, yeah, I'd be I'd be there day one, full price. Any, I think a any, lot of people would be. It's, and, it's really shocking they are being so quiet on that. And even if they split it up in two, like your 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 thing, I'm like, yeah, I'm there for both. Give me yeah. both. I'll, I'll get them both. Um, I, I'm that. Because I never finished any of those Final Fantasies. I have them, or and you know, like especially the Japanese ones, I didn't. But I mean, I've got the NES cartridge, and I've got the Americanized SNES cartridges uh, versions, and mm-hmm. so and I've played them, but I never, never did finish them. So I'm wondering and, if, and if can I res- Sorry, I just want to respond to one quick comment in yeah. chat from Dark Tetsuya saying, I mean, that's fine. Sign me up for four through six because I'm more familiar with those than the OG trilogy. I totally get that perspective, and I do mm-hmm. think uh, Square would probably sell more of that second half. However, yeah. for your consideration, and a lot of people don't remember this, this is the only way you can play an official release of Final Fantasy three not in 3D. This is the first time that's coming out officially, unless I am completely forgetting some release, but I don't think I am. I think they went, because I remember 1 and 2 were paired up on Game Boy, and then they went straight to 3 in the 3D version on the DS. So this is the first time you play a 2D version of Final Fantasy 3, so like as it was. So I think that I think that's very valuable. And um, 3 and 4, from what I'm gathering from Reddit, were retranslated for similar types of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why when I was playing 4 on my stream, I kept going, I feel like this is a new translation. I did a little looking around on Reddit. It is a new translation for 4, particularly, because they couldn't just recycle the DS script for some reason. And it is it is new from um, even the um, first time they retranslated it yeah. for uh, GBA or whatever it was, P- P- PlayStation maybe. And Dark Tessia says they do have English repro carts of Final Fantasy V. Uh, so he, he bought one for his brother for Christmas. I mean, I've also got something that, that helps me with those if I, if I actually find those, which I don't have any of those. But uh, I've, got a, I've got an EverDrive here that I could have put that on. But I'm interested in the, the new hotness 
and the new way of playing yeah. because they put a lot of uh it seems like they put a lot of uh user experience things some 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 convenience features in the pixel remasters that weren't in the originals that just make them nicer to play in 2022 Yes, like the rare summons dropping from on my second battle, yes. although I might have just got lucky RNG on that one. Um, but I will say I, I, I am super tempted to buy five and some of the I'm not going to lie, but I'm really going to I'm going to really try to hold out through at least this E3 once um, all the first six are out and see because six is going to be really hard to not want to buy right oh, out yeah. the gate but i'm really going to hold out hope that they're going to repackage them and if i buy any of them twice i'm happy for it to be four i guess yeah the only reason i didn't buy the existing bundle because they're selling a bundle on steam of all six is because i'd rather have it on switch than on my pc yeah that's the 100%. only reason like if they had said it's going to be on pc and switch and the switch had that bundle like at the very beginning i would have paid for it at the beginning and been like yep just send me the next game when it comes out like you know I would have been told. Totally I would have done the same. Although I will stand by that that font would still look horrible on a television. So you'll be playing that in uh, handheld mode. Yeah. Well, what else are you going to be talking about on Orange Launch Radio tonight? Well, believe it or not, there has been a little bit of news that's mm-hmm. happened uh, this week. We'll talk a little bit about. Um, I know you kind of deviated to talk about pinball, um, but at CES, not only did they show the uh, PlayStation VR two, but they talked about new arcade one up machines. So mm-hmm. I don't know if anything there got your attention, but we'll talk about some of those there tonight, uh, and we'll also talk about the thing I hate to talk about, Bobby. Every single week, it's an NFT story, oh, and gosh. it's there's a flood of them this week, and it, we have to talk about it. So no, you don't. we'll get into that a little bit as well, for better or for worse. And I think this is a very interesting story. Um, Dark Soccer has uh, uh, brought an uh, article to the table tonight that talks about, is Roblox just a form of child labor? Um, and I thought, you know, at first I was like, oh, that's kind of a sensationalist headline. But if you think about because uh, you and I, I think you did this, too. We were making games for ZZT when mm-hmm. we were like, you know, probably what, 13, 14 or whatever age we were when that it was out. But there was a different world then, Bobby. We you also weren't, weren't selling, selling that stuff. Yeah. You, you weren't making money. You weren't making NFTs no. off of ZZT. No. And now I've gone cross-eyed. All right, Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Uh, hopefully, I'll see a donation from you at AGDQ. You don't have to, but you know, if you put in a donation, maybe it'll be during one of my shifts. I will be happy to donate, and I will try to squeeze that in during one of your shifts, although it'll probably probably be the one that's later on, even though uh, I, I personally am more excited for the Final Fantasy thirteen run. Yeah. All right, Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. Uh, So that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night at the end of AGDQ uh, talking all about AGDQ, uh, essentially, is what's going to happen. So join me, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, Sunday night here at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash vognetwork. Come join us and interact with the show directly. You can find out, uh, keep tabs on Twitter at Bobby Blackwolf or on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord, about any fluctuations to the schedule. Uh, for Game Sun Quick uh, and the stuff that I am doing and anything else that we are streaming. Uh, Dark Soccer streams uh, just about every night. Uh, Rob's been streaming a little bit more. Alan, we've talked about, who's you know lives, who's uh, Rob's husband. He's been streaming a little bit more. Uh, and you can find all that out in our Discord, and you can kind of get uh, see when they go live. It doesn't ping you, but you can see when they go live. Uh, and I would suggest that you, you do that. So uh, if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone. The show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet. But we would not be able to make any of this work without the uh, support that go above and beyond uh, of some of our chatters. You being here is the best. 
That is really all we ask for. But a couple of people have gone above and beyond and uh, given us some subscriptions on Twitch. So thank you so much. Fifth Dream resubscribing for the 32nd month all of the months. SJ100 Matt resubscribed for a 32 months. And uh, so did Dark Sakura uh, for 34 months uh, has resubscribed. So thank you so much for that. Like I said, it's not absolutely necessary, but if you want to, uh, you get access to our video on demand archives. Uh, you can see all the videos that we have ever put up, even uh, the midweek sh- streams, uh, shows that maybe didn't go on podcast feeds, stuff like that. Uh, that is where you can get it. And if you're subscribed to us on Twitch, uh, and even if you have Amazon Prime, it's a free sub. You can just get it for a month, binge everything, and then move on like you do with uh, with uh, with Paramount Plus or HBO Max or whatever it is uh, that, that you're, you're doing that with. So I'm going to hit the button so we can get out of here. And uh, I want to take care of yourself. And I hope that your RNG this week is favorable. I'll see you next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.